and it's maybe we're live, maybe we're not, but the little circle spinning. Well, I'm okay. going to bam. We're live. Okay, we're on. Hey, how's it going? Hey, let me. Uh, we are off. live. We've been chatting for about five minutes, but uh, welcome to the Mac and Pierce show again. <laughs> uh, this time, I ha hopefully have a camera that works and a microphone that's a little bit better. Nice. And hopefully. Hopefully, Mac, you are not too exhausted today. I'm fairly exhausted, but, you know, it doesn't take you a lot to, of energy to talk. You, you got to live the dream of being a backup standing goalie, like yes. a Zamboni driver. Yes, only, I, yeah, yeah. I, I got to be the uh, backup, emergency backup goalie for my wife's uh, women's hockey team. Today was the first game of the playoffs uh, for them. I, I normally I'm also a goalie on a on a men's team, uh, but their goalie was unavailable. They couldn't get a sub from within the league, and uh, so I got to play with them. It was a lot of fun. And playing goalie is probably one of the most tiring things in sports. It's exhausting, physically and emotionally. So yeah, I'm I'm a little bit drained. Yeah, I would think emotionally and mentally, especially because you actually have to pay attention the whole time. Yeah, like yeah, it's a it's a test of focus, and it's also like every time a goal goes in. Um, you have, oh. you expend a lot of emotional energy, just like resetting and getting back down to focusing on the moment so that when the next shot comes, you're not thinking about the last goal you let in. And yeah, as it turns out, that takes energy. Like I, it feels like it's mm. burning calories. Yeah. You know, uh, I think that having never played goalie myself, mm. I have a hard time appreciating that, but I try to remember it, especially, uh, when I watch hockey. Yes. Uh, there's a, a hockey game, the Flyers game a couple of days ago where they were destroying, I guess it was the Rangers and it was yep. like four two or four to one. And they let in a goal in like the last 20 seconds. Yes. And uh, Travis Konechny, one of the star forwards for the Flyers, slammed his stick against like the post. That was, was so interesting. It was interesting. And what I thought was it was so good. Yeah. He was mad that he let his team down by letting in a garbage goal that didn't matter at all. A completely meaningless goal, but he took it absolutely seriously. It was the last 30 seconds of the game. That was right. fascinating. And because, yeah, and I think because he took it seriously, that's also saying to his goalie, yeah, yeah I find it personally responsible when a goal goes in, not just your fault, goalie. It's yeah. mine, too. I think that's a really good sign. Yeah. Oh, the Flyers uh, are so fun right now. Oh yeah, that, that's are. by the way. I think the real secret to why Carter Hart is is such uh, an ahead of where he ought to be for his age goalie is so he's got the skills and he executes well, but his ability to reset is like, mm. he is so calm. Have you ever seen? Apologies to people who aren't Flyers fans, but this is where we're going right now. So. Yeah. Sometimes you'll see he does this thing, and he's not the only only goalie who does this. There's like one or two others, but after he lets in a goal, he'll do this thing with his water bottle, his mask off, and he'll like shoot a drop of water in the air, and he he'll watch it go up and down, and that's uh, a uh, a meditation practice that he has, where he's just like I'm just going to watch the droplet. I'm emptying my mind of what just happened. I'm just going to be here with the droplet. I actually, uh, I can tie that to religion really easily. Excellent. Let's go. Uh, so I actually did a sermon on the Lord telling his disciples that if you go into a house and they reject you, the disciples are like, oh, 
can we burn the house down? Can we call fire down on them? Right, right. Uh, and I have a transition from that too in a minute. Um, and the Lord says, no, 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 no. <laughs> Walk away and shake the dust off your feet. And now you guys can't see me doing this, but I am shaking my foot. You can sort of see, see my whole body or you can see me shaking my hand, you know, like uh, Taylor Swift, shake it off. Um, but if somebody says something nasty to you or if somebody rejects you, you can literally shake your foot in remembrance of the Lord saying, shake the dust off your feet. And it's like squirting that water bottle. It's just a, a refocus, a physical cool. refocus. And that, that physical refocus is sort of an ultimate expression of trying to forgive them and trying to just say, you know, doesn't matter. I'm moving on. It's still bad. I'm acknowledging it, but I'm moving on, which I think is something that's really hard for people's emotions in general Yeah, is it's one thing to experience anger or sadness. It's another thing to either ignore it or to focus on it. And so there's that sweet spot of acknowledging it and then moving on. Right, right. And that's what Hart's doing with the, with the water bottle squeeze. Yeah, yeah. You know, so so I've practiced uh, mindfulness meditative stuff like that. And just in the last year or so, I, it's really started to make a difference in my life. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard to convince anybody else who hasn't done it for a while that it works, you know, and it, because yeah. from the outside looking in, it just looks sort of like, okay, so you're in the moment. That sounds like a good idea, but does it really change things? And yes, I have found that, that by doing uh, sort of meditative work to, to learn to focus on the present at times when I don't need to do it. It's, mm -hmm. it's a lot easier to, to reach for it and, and have it on like in stressful times, uh, when dealing with tragedies, you know, all sorts of times, it just, it, it smooths over, uh, a lot of the, the sort of emotional turmoil that otherwise would distract from me being able to do my job or, or whatever. Yeah. You know, I think in general, people don't like to don't realize the good of something until they try it. Yep. It's sort of why the Lord says, hey, have faith. Trust me. Yeah. Try living by the Ten Commandments and trust me, you'll notice that they work. Yeah. <laughs> Taste and see that the Lord is good. Don't just take my right. word for it. Right. And so, but uh, it's interesting too, what you say about sort of trying to have uh, a practice of mindfulness or a habit. Mm -hmm. I think about that with, and I've said this in a lot of sermons, but with prayer, or family prayer or saying yes. a blessing yes that or going to church every sunday mm. this is why i tell people how often should you go to church you don't have to go to church to get to heaven no. you should for your own benefit go to church every sunday yeah you're not and filling out like a, a, a loyalty punch card you're yeah, well, you're, yeah. you're doing reps if you, <laughs> if you think about it this way most sundays you want to watch football or hockey or whatever you want to go to the soccer game you want to sleep in you might want to hear a good sermon from a minister, but often we're not in the mood. But if you every Sunday know that you go to church and you see other people who try to live according to the Lord's word, try to love one another mm -hmm. and try to help one another, one day a terrible thing's going to happen. Yeah. I don't know what, but someday something will. And in a few days time, if you have the habit of going to church, you're just going to go to church again. 
And there will be all these people who absolutely love you. Yeah. And it will be a lifesaver. And the same thing is true. If you pray with your family at every meal, okay, whatever. Most times you don't even think about it. Yeah. But when the trouble comes and you sit down and you all pray, whew, yeah. I've noticed that even with just my family, like if we've had, you know, if I'm arguing with my kids and we all sit down for breakfast, we are going to say the blessing. And I turn to Taryn, my wife, and I say, so what should we say? And she'll say, uh, how about Lord, I believe. And so we all say, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And I don't know what's going through my kids' heads, but I know that I have just reset. And I'm not doing it because of anything in particular. It's just a habit. Yeah. And it resets me just like squeezing that water bottle. Yeah. Well, and, and you bringing up the habit of church going, um, maybe you're not the one who's having the tragedy. Maybe somebody else does. And because oh, you're yeah. showing up every week, you're there on the week they need you. And that's huge that, too. That really is. And you, you can't be there for them unless you're literally there. Right. And if you've already established a relationship, you know, it's sort of like, you know, people say there's something like a fair weather friend. Right. I think there's also the bad weather friend. You know, it's like you never hear from them until something bad happens. And then they want to be in, in the drama and be really supportive and loving. You're like, thanks. Yeah. But I also just want to be with my friends. <laughs> You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, and so I think creating those relationships is really important. Well, so, so I'm, I'm glad that you, that you, you bring this up sort of rolling back a little bit when you said, you know, maybe you want to go hear a good sermon. Um, my mind immediately went to, well, like first thing in the morning, that's not actually what I'm looking for usually. And there are a lot of great sermons and messages that I can get on demand any time of the day you know, via podcasts and new church audio and other places like that. And this has really got me thinking about um, the future of, of church services mm. because we have like this tradition that puts the sermon as the focal point of Sunday morning. And there's reason for that. I mean, Sunday is in part to be a day of instruction, but that's not the whole picture and because the instruction part is now so easily sort of grabbable, um, which I, I see is mostly a, a good thing, I, I, I've been wondering more and more if maybe that's giving us permission to focus on Sunday morning as, you know, so, so that, that loving the neighbor part of it is a more active and intentional piece because – you you yeah. can you can tune into YouTube videos and podcast sermons and stuff like that, but they're never going to give you that connection piece. I mean, so we're doing a live thing right now, and in fact, I'm looking. Right. Uh, I I see we've got uh, Teresa McQueen Uber saying that she practices daily uh, on the meditation. I think that's great, and I like the live thing because it allows you know to connect. But it's but even then, it's not the same thing as being face to face or being able to mm. physically touch somebody. And I think that's actually part of the value proposition when we say come to church. It's not just yeah. listen to a smart person say smart things or, you know, it's it's praying together and worshiping together and being in community together. Yeah. And, you know, just personally, I find it frustrating that I have to compete with TED Talks. That guy giving that awesome TED talk has literally given that talk well over a hundred times. 
Yeah. And this is practiced and practiced and practiced. And me, I'm just preaching. But it really is that whole worship experience, not just the sermon. And that's something that you don't get with these professional talks. Yeah. And I think about that worship part. Uh, you know, our church teaches about internal worship or spiritual worship and external or natural physical worship. You know, it's right. sort of the worship of your life, loving others, doing a good job, honestly, justly, and faithfully. Uh, I know you know this. I'm just saying it for y'all, all y'all. Um, but then there's also the external formal worship, which is kneeling, praying, singing, doing all that stuff you do on Sunday. I think sometimes we make the mistake of saying, well, only the spiritual stuff matters. Yeah. Well, that's like saying, well, I'm going to love you, but I'm not actually going to physically do anything right. nice to you. Right. I like, got your back. Unless, right. Until you need a ride I'll somewhere. See, I'll click like, but I'm not actually going to say anything. Right, right. <laughs> Whereas right. I think external worship is that form, that container for internal worship. If you kneel with people and sing with people, literally, yeah. and literally experience this thing together, that's why I love about Holy Supper being Holy Communion. If you are kneeling with others, sharing in this ritual, it's yeah. a special thing. Yeah. It's a beautiful, it's a shared experience that you can refer back to in all these other more spiritual loving ways. Yep. And, and and not to trivialize what you're saying, because that's not my intention here, but, <laughs> and we talked about this just a touch before we, we got online. Um, that's why it's fun to, to watch hockey games with people and to yeah. be, you know, a sports fan together. It, that communal experience uh you know going to a hockey game and when your team scores high-fiving a complete and total stranger who's yeah. sitting in the seat in front of you yes my favorite that fulfills uh, a human need my favorite music experience is going to a cake concert mm -hmm. uh if you don't know cake they're the ones that sing i know you do but mm -hmm. y'all uh they sing uh going the distance he's going the distance He's going for speed. Yep, yep, yep. Well, the way King Cake sings, it's particularly easy to sing along to. So mm -hmm. when you go to a Cake concert, everyone sings every song. Interesting. And it's yeah. just phenomenal. It's like a 5,000 person sing along to all these ridiculous songs with awesome music. So I've seen them three times and they're just fabulous for that reason. Cool. Because it's a shared experience. I think that's something that is missing from some worship services that I would like to see a little bit changed. Yeah. Is yeah. it's too passive. It's yep. too consumering and not active enough. I agree um, with you. And um, I can hear in my head somebody saying, yeah, but I mean, what, what if, what if I'm not comfortable being active in worship and I just want to come and receive an experience? Like, is, is that a valid that. thing for people to say? Well, no, but you can do that. <laughs> um, I have uh, one guy in my congregation who grew up uh, in the Pentecostal uh, brotherhood, uh -huh. um, and he's 90 years old today. And uh, when, he's, when I say something he particularly likes, he says very loudly, amen. <laughs> and I love it. Yeah. It's very good. And uh, when I was up in North in Pennsylvania, I had one guy who sort of joined the congregation while I was there uh -huh. and he was black Baptist uh -huh. and he had the same habit. Amen. And I love that tradition. He'd been in, he'd gone to like three sermons of mine 
And he noticed that no one else was doing it. And so he stopped. Oh. And it felt like, felt like a little piece of me died. Like, no, this is the best thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I would get amens and all sorts of congregational feedback and interaction uh, in Austin. And I really miss it. Uh, yeah. There, there's something about that back and forth connection that, I don't know, it helped yeah. make it helped make worship more like worship for me as the person in the front of the room rather than sort of a a job which sometimes it can sort of turn into yeah you know when i was in uh, a little church uh, called kempton in pennsylvania this was a very conservative church mm -hmm. by conservative i mean like traditional right yeah uh, very traditional services um i love that town of kempton for lots of reasons uh and there was one a uh, minister who would be in the congregation. That's the thing about preaching in Kempton is you're preaching to <laughs> some other ministers, retired and old and right, They got a bunch of them there. I, I know this, yeah. Right. And if, so I'd start preaching and he'd start, he'd cross his arms. He'd start, he'd be a really angry face. He'd start shaking his head. And he'd just get madder and madder. I'm like, what am I doing wrong? I have no idea. Like, oh no, what happened? And afterwards... I get down after uh, off the chancel and we go to the choir hall and everyone's sort of socializing. And this guy comes up to me and he says, Pierce, and puts his finger up. That was a great sermon. I'm like, why were you shaking your head? He's like, oh, was I? Oh, no, no. You know, I had that happen to one of my friends and it's just one of the worst things that can happen to someone. Oh, boy. <laughs> it's just like, he was feeling You're the pain. <laughs> right. So now yeah. I know, like, yeah. oh, yeah. but that was actually really good feedback for me, Yeah. but it was only good because I now know him. So now when I preach to him and he starts doing that, mm -hmm. it actually feeds me rather than totally distracts me. Nice. <laughs> nice. Um, it reminds me of one of my favorite passages about preaching. Yeah. Uh, and it's from the book, Heaven and Hell. Uh -huh. And in it, uh, Emmanuel Swedenborg is talking about what worship in heaven is like. And there's a little note about the preacher, very little. Mm -hmm. But the one note about the preacher is it says, and the preacher can see all the people. Now, it's obvious that all the people would be able to see the preacher. Right. It's not so obvious that, all, that the preacher can see all the people. And if you think of a traditional giant cathedral or Catholic church mm -hmm. or video sermon, you know, put your hands on the screen kind of thing. Right. Um, I can't see anyone. Yeah, I have to be able to see the congregants to know what to say to them. And I think that's part of the magic of worship is that you actually see the other people, not just with your eyeballs, but that you actually get to know them. Yeah. And they get to know each other. And as they know each other, they're able to love one another more and more. And that only happens over time. Yeah. And repetition. Yep. Yeah. There's, there have been times, um, where I have sort of been struck looking out at a congregation on a Sunday morning um, where I'm aware of like the struggle that this particular family is going through and the heartbreak that that person has just experienced and uh, what's weighing heavily on that other person. And I just look at it and I just see all of these people sort of deep in, in these, you know, the struggles of life and am aware of the fact that a lot of them weren't aware of one another's stuff. And I just, there have been times when I wish I could have just like, like connect them to each other. Um, but people hold a lot of that stuff in. 
yeah. And I, I mean, yeah, I get I'm, it. I get it. I am by nature a very private person. Yeah. I think that's mostly because while I love being on stage, I actually kind of enjoy being on camera. Something I've learned. Uh oh. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm getting yeah, that. Yeah, imagine that. I do not like being in a crowd. I am definitely an introvert and I don't like sharing uh, unless I'm on stage. Um, yeah. And so I get that other people don't and they want to be private too. Mm -hmm. But I think one of the things that we have to recognize is the Lord wants us to be vulnerable for one another. Yes. He says things like, blessed are they who mourn. Mm -hmm. Blessed are the hungry and the thirsty. And part of what that is, isn't just that you're sad or that you want food, but that you are letting yourself be fed and given drink and given comfort. Yeah. If you let someone into your life and let them know about the vulnerabilities you have or the help you need, not only will you get help, but you're also giving them the opportunity to love the neighbor. Yeah. And that's the greatest joy they could possibly have is, it is by loving the neighbor. So letting yeah. them help you is like the best thing you could do. I have preached that. I have counseled that. I have believed it in my heart and I am really bad at it. Like personally, yeah, me too. <laughs> I'm, I'm so terrible at, 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 at asking for help, receiving help, opening myself up, which is funny because there's a certain kind of vulnerability, which I, I've, I've learned to practice, I guess, in public persona type things on camera, on stage, et cetera, writing and all that. And yet there's still like a layer of protectiveness um, that mm. I have a hard time breaking through when I really need to. Yeah. I wonder if there's some kind of technique or practice that would make that more effective. Like for me, uh, shaking my foot is a little meditation on forgiveness. Right. Uh, or this explains uh, all the foot walking. shaking you did during our childhood, by the way, I'm now starting to like yeah. reimagine a lot <laughs> well, of stuff. Family. I mean, that was a lot of dust. Yeah. Um, and just the, and thinking about washing feet, et cetera, et cetera. There's all this stuff. Right. Um, I wonder if there's some way of teaching oneself how to be helpful or not helpful, how to be vulnerable so other people can help you. How to be helpful. And yeah, I think there are also just different personalities. Some people, I know some people listening to this are like, it's easy to ask for help. And I even know people who are always asking for help. And I kind of find it a little annoying. I'm like, well, why, why, why can't you just do it? Right. And so it's a funny balance. Yeah. And I guess for me, the thing that I always remember is I have to figure out what I'm not good at and what I'm good at. And mm -hmm. if I'm good at something, don't worry about getting better at it. Focus mm -hmm. on the thing that I need to get better at. And so I'm not good at asking for help. So I need to get better at asking for it. But if you're good, at, if you, all y'all already good at asking for help, you can just ignore the last five minutes of our conversation. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I think it's a lot more fun and easier to just focus on the things I'm already good at and just ignore the rest of it. Yeah. That? <laughs> That's growth opportunity right there. Oh. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. uh, with that lovely thought, uh, I am getting a little tired and yeah, uh, a little I'm, I'm blitzed, blitzed, blotto. Yeah. 
Blitzed uh, in British cooking would mean that they'd put you in a blender. So maybe you're blitzed. Really? Yeah. We're going to blitz this. And they always like, Bzz. I'm like, really? Hmm. Blitz it. Those funny Brits. Yes. So uh, any final thought? Um, I'm letting you do all flyers. the talking tonight. What? Oh, yeah, you do. Uh, go Flyers. Yeah. Uh, they're on a six game winning streak. Ooh, ooh, ooh. And uh, one of my little pet peeves, I'm just going to have to shake the dust off my feet, is uh, that the national media oh. isn't actually paying enough attention to the fact that, in, not just in the last 10 games, but in the last 25 games, mm-hmm. the Flyers have been like the fourth best team in the league. Well, on all sorts of metrics. And that's gonna they've change. gone from out of the playoffs to almost the top of their division. They're one point out of first in the division. Yeah, so here, here's, I forget who, I saw somebody tweet this earlier today, but after the Flyers' defeat of the Islanders, or of the Rangers, tonight on, or this afternoon on a nationally broadcast game, um, when there was a lot of narrative building up to, oh, the Rangers are on this amazing streak fighting for the playoffs, and the Flyers just manhandled them. Um, Twice. <laughs> it's it's going. It's it, there's no, there's no way that 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 that's not going to change the uh, the the national, right? You know, Finally, right. But I got to shake it off. You know, Taylor yeah. Swift is a wise woman. Well, guess what? Uh, Wait, Taylor oh, Swift. What? Okay, fine. I'll accept that. Uh, <laughs> I have tickets to the Flyers Caps game this Wednesday. Oh, well, Jill and I, I think... have been planning this since basically since Jill. we moved here over the summer. No. Did you know that the flights from Atlanta to DC and BWI are some of the cheapest in America? Well, I don't have any extra tickets and I'm not going to leave my wife at home. So I'll oh, never mind. I won't be flying to, to Washington just to watch the Caps. Yeah, but it will be on NBC. It'll be the, the Wednesday night hockey game. So maybe you'll see me. All right. Well, okay. uh, that would be fun. And next Sunday, I don't think there's a hockey game in the evening. I don't think so. So that means we could chat again. Yes. And I'll be less tired, hopefully. Um, So, so actually, before we go, I I just want to sort of throw something in there. Um, If you're watching, I see some people watching live, but also I know that, that uh, a lot more people are going to watch this back uh, as a recording later. Um, If you're still with us after 26 minutes, what should we talk about? Like, as you can see, we can ramble about all sorts of things, but if there are topics that uh, you think would be particularly interesting to cover, uh, go ahead and drop a note in the, the comments of this video, wherever you find it, or uh, get a hold of us any way you can. Uh, and I'm up for suggestions. I assume you are too, Pierce? Yes. All right. And hit the subscribe button. <laughs> smash that like and ring the bell. And yeah, so I guess, yeah, hit the, do subscribe because I'm going to be putting this up on my YouTube channel. Um, and do you have a YouTube channel yet? Uh, not one that's worth it. I am okay. on the way to making all that stuff happen. Okay. Hey, this time I actually have a decent mic and camera. And yes, so, you do. Making progress. You know. Hey, Luke. And my focus isn't watching. zooming in and out. So, yeah. So there I'm going to throw go. this. So this this is on Facebook right now. It's also going to show up on my YouTube channel, uh, The Big Idea with Mac Fraser, because <laughs> I had to call it something. Um, uh, that is something. <laughs> yep. <laughs> And we need some theme music, so uh, any musicians want to compose us some outro music or some intro, I promise you we'll try to find some way to use it at least once, no matter how bad it is. How's that? Yes, and if you're looking for inspiration, listen to Cowboy Bebop.
Oh yeah. Mac and I will take any music that's kind of like anything from that. And that's yeah. a big genre. Yeah, well, it's several genres. You got some funk, you got yeah. some actual bebop and some other stuff. Yeah. yeah. Big okay. band. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So next right. time, maybe we can uh, drag Scott onto this finally. The, uh, I don't know if he's got a decent camera, but we should do it anyway. I'm, I'm okay with him looking a little fuzzy. <laughs> he needs a shave anyway, so it kind of works. That's right. All right. Uh, it was good talking with you, Pierce. All right. Talk to you later, brother. Yep. And it's good seeing you guys as well. Bye. All right. You'll turn us off? Yep. I'll kill it. <laughs> and bye. Bye. <laughs>